here in the Death Star. That thing's operational. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Usual Podcast. Podcast we discuss Star Wars The Old Republic, the Star Wars franchise, and geek and pop culture. I'm your host, Marshall, and with me, as always, is my talking smack co-host, Will. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great. Is this the one we're actually going with? Yeah, this is the one we're going with, bro. Awesome. We're, 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 we're balls deep now. We're balls deep in some rogueness. We can't say balls deep. We can't say that, dude. You just said it twice. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, this is our apparently uncensored Rogue One uh, discussion of Rogue One. So here we are. I'm glad it's our Rogue One discussion of Rogue One instead of our Rogue One discussion of something else. <sighs> anyway, um, okay, so, and we're just sitting here enjoying our usual frosty beverages. Um, I'm drinking uh, Lagunitas, a uh, little something-something ale. Uh, anybody else drinking anything? I enjoyed a nice Woodmere Hefeweizen with dinner tonight. Nice. Uh, um, yeah, I'm enjoying some uh, hop cooler thing. It tastes like uh, grapefruit juice. <laughs> and I had my Guinness. <laughs> and you don't know those voices yet because we haven't introduced them. So here we go. So before we get started, you can find us at theusualpodcast.com. Email us at theusualpodcast at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook, Google+, Plus, Pinterest, and Instagram. So here's the deal. We're here with a couple of our buddies uh, who have come up from the, uh, would you say the Bay? The Bay? Is that is that how the kids are saying it? The East Bay. Oh, the East Bay. Excuse me. Um, O Town. You can't forget it. Little ghetto. We're sitting here with uh, our friends from the East Bay, and we all just saw Rogue One, and we are going to do nothing that we normally do in this show except talk about Rogue One. We just came out of the theater. We're here sitting in the studio. I'm screwing up uh, all of the intros across the board, but here we are. So he's flabbergasted, if you will. I'm not flabbergasted. I'm just hot, and it's. It's hard in here. Jeremy, you're making him hot. Mm. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> anyway, let's introduce our guests. Uh, we have uh, one of my, I don't know, I guess one of my college friends. Old old buddies. Yeah, we met in college, right? We weren't at the same college. Oh, God. Here's the thing. we You were on the show last year at this time. Yes, I sure was. <laughs> you guys were at every college. Anyway, uh, Jeremy, introduce yourself. How, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I'm, I saw by on my move up to Washington. <laughs> yeah, he's he's uh, cruising by. He's headed up to Washington. But um, is he cruising by in his old six four? No, he's not. Well, are you? No, it's a 2014 Jeep. <laughs> well, it's not as cool. But anyway, here we are. <laughs> and we also have Mike. Say hello, buddy. Howdy. I'm uh, more boring than his Jeep. I'm a statistician. So we have statistician Mike, and we have uh, Jeremy, who drives a Jeep. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on Front Street. We've had a long day. Okay. We've been drinking half the day. Uh, we went to dinner. Went I to broke the movie. my RV. Uh, Will broke his RV. We put that back together. Um, so those of you that follow us on this particular show, we <laughs> it's always something. And but here we are. Uh, but really all we're going to do is talk about Rogue One in this episode. So how do we want to do this? We want to do overall impressions. We want to do plot. We want to do character. We want to do. I say we just start with overall impressions and uh, then we can go on to the finer points. All right. I'm in. I was going to talk shit, but I decided not Would to. Would you like to start? 
I'm also excited because I've decided not to censor this one. I don't know how I'm going to tag this, but I might talk shit this whole time. Uh, the very first thing on the byline will be it's episode 82, <laughs> uncensored. Uncensored. And we did this last time, I think, because it was hard to censor yeah. everybody. We had like six people in here last time. Yeah. And and those of you that were here a year ago, uh, we did a Force Awakens cast. Uh, Jeremy was here and a couple other buddies were here. Um, but honestly, I mean, I don't know. We're just going to talk some smack, but it's good. It was a good movie. You want to start? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I honestly say it's right up there with Empire. Um, I would actually put it probably number three on my all time list, uh, behind Empire and uh, New Hope. And then, uh, Force Awakens would be right after that. But, um, there are certain things I really, really, really enjoyed about this. Um, there, I have a little nitpicking, but not as much as I did with Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, well, we should also say this is the second time we saw it. That is correct. Uh, Will and I saw it on opening night. Uh, which is my birthday. We recorded, yeah, it was his birthday, which is Happy what birthday. we recorded Thank last you. time. Happy birthday, buddy. Uh, and we recorded this last year at the same time, uh, roughly. And we recorded right after that first episode and, or that first viewing. Uh, but seeing it the second time, this time we saw it in 3D, the first time we saw it in 2D. Uh, and I don't, I don't, honestly, the difference was pretty negligible, I'd say. Yeah, for, for 3D to 2D, it was pretty negligible. Um, it, the scope of it, and I'll get into this a little bit later on how much I really enjoyed Gareth Edwards' direction, but um, there was a couple of scenes I really, really enjoyed with the uh, the, the 3D, and probably the my favorite shot in the entire film was the uh, um, was the Rebel fleet coming out of hyperdrive to yeah. the uh, to the Imperial fleet, yeah, and because it's just a uh, it's a it's a way coming in or out of hyperdrive that we hadn't seen that perspective before. Agreed, um, but so. 2D, 3D aside, I think overall, um, everybody except for Jeremy, I think, has seen it twice. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, Mike slept this one. Well, look. Okay, so Mike saw it once, only two. <laughs> you thought you were going to get on the mic here without us talking smack about you? Yes, Mike slept through the second time, but he saw it once, so that's fine. Um, no, I saw it uh, 1.5 times. Okay, we'll give you that. Uh, at best, 1.5. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, first of all, let's just talk, uh, plot wise. Uh, I, I just, what do we like? What do we not like? Let's just go with that. Uh, do you want to start? Go ahead, Mike. Okay. So I, um, I got annoyed with the mother. Why didn't she just hide like she was supposed to? Um, because then you don't have Jin being the Star Wars orphan. Dude, there's always a Star Wars orphan. Yeah. Why do you have to have a Star Wars or orphan? Why can't he, the, she just be upset with her mother that she can't be with her father? Uh, because it's Star Wars, and you always have to have an orphan. Mike, and you're, if you you're, had, you're approaching this the wrong way, buddy. And if you had the mom, you would <laughs> oh, okay. you would need the Sagrera. Here's what I'm going to say is, I enjoyed the continuity <laughs> of there being another Star Wars orphan. Yeah. <laughs> so he's in with Star Wars orphans. That's good. Um, no, it took a bit of convincing. And and, and I want to throw some one caveat in here. I actually, as of last night, because I was super bored and I was playing Star Wars: Old Republic. And, and I just, I was like, well, I don't have anything to listen to. I'm going to listen to Catalyst, right? A Rogue One. Excuse me. The prequel to Rogue One. So I started, I, I'm literally halfway through the audiobook. Oh my God. I had to put it down. It was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Well, the reason being is because I, I, I mean, I get there's a backstory with Galen and, uh, and his wife and everything else, but I just don't really care. 
and the way that they did the and and the way they did the story um james lucino uh is a great author uh he did some really cool um star wars horror books that i've listened to that were really really cool don't forget he also did plagueis and he did darth plagueis but by the gods this story was dry and i just ah i'm i'm halfway through it was it trade federation dry oh it was like we're gonna build a thing and then we're building this thing we got to get him to build the thing and i don't really care about the thing and i just i i i had a really hard time with the novel and as a writer myself and as someone who uh listens to other authors talk about writing and they're like, Oh, you got to engage the author, you know, engage the reader in the first blah, blah, blah time. Oh, it was brutal. I don't even know how this thing got past it, but it, that, that aside, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. I'm with Mike. I'm pointing at Mike. It's an audio medium, but anyway. Um, so plot wise, Jeremy, would you like, you're on the spot. I know. I know I'm on the spot. I'm, and I'm going to edit this to where it doesn't, right. it doesn't matter where. Do you have to keep saying you're going to edit this? <sighs> He always does. Yeah, I know. Does, does he edit the edits? Yeah, I edit out me saying I'm gonna edit this, so say whatever you want. Um, I liked the plot, and this was your first viewing, though. Yeah, I'm still taking it, and I'm half sick, and yeah, you know, I liked the plot. It kept me. I was engaged with it the whole time. Yeah, except for the occasional snore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the occasional snore from our our friend here. Yeah, it's all right. I'm not embarrassed. He's not. I can tell. I'm sitting right next to him. He owns it. He owns it. Um, so let's talk about, do we want to talk? Oh, go ahead. Plot wise. Did you already talk? <laughs> All right. Um, I really like the plot. And I mean, just to kind of jump, you know, feet first in is don't forget there's spoilers up the wazoo with this, with this uh, discussion. Oh, well, that's obvious. Um, but, um, I really liked how they, they worked as hard as they could to tie it into a new hope. Um, and this is where I'm sure it's going to get a lot of, Negative response online is the CG work, but I thought the the work that they did with Peter Cushing and and uh, and uh, Carrie Fisher Carrie Fisher was phenomenal. I totally agree. Um, well, and and I agree as well. And that was Mike a second ago, but I, I agree with the uh, in the second viewing. The first viewing, it was a little honestly, it was a little jarring. I think I don't know if it was the two D. Well, you just weren't expecting it, That's and why. I and I didn't know like. And I'm, and I, there were some inklings leading up to it, because we've talked about this forever. Um, the fact that Tarkin was gonna, that Tarkin was actually gonna be a part of it. But when he showed up, I was like, I didn't think it was gonna be as, as camera facing. Right. And as much dialogue. Yeah. I mean, he had many lines. He was the center shot. Um, and yeah, he was CG'd, but the man is dead. Has been for 30 years. <laughs> and he's been dead for a long time. Uh, but I mean, at the second viewing, honestly, I, I felt like it, it worked a lot better for me the second time. Yeah, I was all in. Um, and now that I know the backstory behind the rebel pilots being in it too. Yeah. Um, it actually, it's funny. That was not CG. Well, there of course was some CG in it, but what well, they it took was, what's his name's original lines, I think. No, what it was, was when uh, they were writing the script and everything, they were invited to Skywalker Films Archives, mm. or Skywalker Studios Archives, and uh, they said, well, what are these tins down here? And the person giving the tour was saying, oh, well, that's the New Hope. And he's like, has anybody gone through that stuff? And he goes, no, none of it's digitized or anything. And they spent a ton of money to go through all this ungone through uh, 
a film, actual film, and it's lines and dialogue and stuff that were filmed and never shown. So like that female X-Wing pilot, that was actually filmed back in 76. Okay, that's cool then. And so it's not like they just- And threw, Red Leader too. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. So all those lines are actually them, except, except for when they cut and they mentioned something like the the planetary shield. That's yeah. different because it's mostly stuff from the trench run. Gotcha. Um but that's all there. So all they did was they basically cut them out and put them in a cockpit here. So that was the CGI part. But the actual film and dialogue was actually taken from old footage. Ah, interesting. Um, the Tarkin, um, because I've seen it both in 2D and 3D, I'm thinking that actually it looks better in 3D when you look at the rendering of Tarkin. I, I concur. And actually, I thought uh, the Carrie Fisher was better because the the whole Carrie Fisher Unlike Tarkin, which is completely CG, what they did with Carrie Fisher is they took Carrie Fisher's face from A New Hope oh, yeah. with the new dialogue and put it on a current actress. Um, which right, because they have credits. I I looked in the thing right. like the actor, the actor and the actress for each each of the people have a right. have a. And I, I remember when they first did this this uh, technology was back with Titanic and the scene that you see um, Rose and Jack running at the camera from the water and the the lights are flashing and everything. Yeah. And it, if you look at it nowadays, that's a really ugly looking shot because it's you can tell they're not there. Right. Um. But back in the day, you watched that it was phenomenally rendered. Right. Um. Because it was. Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet's faces on some people's uh, bodies. Totally. Um, anything else on the CG stuff? I mean, I know I, I I have not. And let's put one caveat out there, at least for me. Um, I have at least five podcasts listened to talking about reviews of this. Uh, yeah, I've I, not followed any reviews or anything of this yet. Yeah, this is- I haven't read a blog. I haven't. Outside of I've seen the movie tweets, I have not even thought about diving into any of this because i wanted to see the movie again but also i want to talk to you guys and and get my overall impressions before it's tainted by other people's stuff i mean even sans pants put a thing out and i didn't listen to it yeah wow that's a big deal i have kind of a complex observation regarding um the cg um basically what it comes down to is is that they put a lot of effort into um making it um, um, creating continuity with new hope. And so what ends up happening is first off is I think that the, in order that when doing that in, when keeping that in mind, they did a great job. The only problem is, is that it sort of replicates seventies technology, which in its own way is kind of funny, you know, because when you think about the, uh, the uh, previous three episodes, uh, the technology, the technology and the rendering, um, of the, that's within the storyline, it seems significantly more advanced than what you see. Like, for instance, you're looking at a, a spaceship in, in Rogue One and you're going, Oh, that has buttons like, um, the Challenger. <laughs> and you're, that's and, what you're yeah. And you're, and you're just like, and you're like, Oh, that is a really big hard drive. They don't use USB. Or that, or that card that they ultimately, like, why do they need to have that really big hard drive thing to communicate with, um, to, to send the signal for the satellite? But then they just have this little tiny card that can hold it that they're, that they're trying, yeah. It's, well, it's floppy disk or, or something. What is it? Something that you'd use on like a Neo Geo. Well, because it had to be, it had to be the thing that she installed in R2. 
Oh, well, yeah. actually, that's pretty. That's a pretty good point there. But the whole thing that I'm trying to say is, is that it was. So you're saying they're switching formats, essentially. Yes, it was like switching from VHS to beta. I see what, I see what you're saying, but I see what you're saying. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. So, so there's there's sort of a complex interplay of them trying to create continuity with the New Hope, but then at the same time, it sort of renders that um, puts them in a situation where they're trying to replicate a bunch of 70s technology, yeah. which I th- actually. And caused some nostalgia, but at the same time made me think, wow, that seems really incongruous. Yeah. See, I didn't see the 70s technology. I saw it as zero BBY, you know, before the Battle of Yavin. So oh. it wasn't that. It's just it was no longer 35 BBY or ABY, which is, you know, Force Awakens. You know, that's 35 years of technology improvement there. So I looked at it that way. And I just forget the, the the way the technology looked in the prequels because it was just George having a bug up his butt. Yeah, I, I actually think it's funny that uh, that you the size of the thing they pulled out of the archive compared to what ultimately one of my favorite scenes, hands down, in almost any Star Wars movie, is Vader wrecking stuff at the end of this film, um, and loved and, it, and Homeboy trying to carry the thing to the to the end of the corridor. And he's like, just take it, God, and how small that is compared to what they pull out of the archives. But, but, uh, I mean, I mean, that said, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's, it's a change of format. Like, I have to be able to put this into, I don't know, an RT unit, for example. Right. You know, as opposed to it storing in an archive. I get that, but this, I, I do see what you're saying, Mike, about, about the, uh, technology. And, well, it's also going to be quality. I mean, you got to yeah. think about there's probably more, uh, storage space on the big one that they had and so you would think it's probably much more detailed and everything whereas you know and as we see when it gets on the small monitor on the 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 ship it's all pixelated right and not only that like the dish isn't even in the right spot right it's in the middle which always bugs me <laughs> you know what i'm saying when they when they do the thing yeah i got you how, how interesting was it to see the, this is just a little side note because I actually want to go back to the Vader down the hallway scene. Oh dear. But, uh, when, uh, it was attacking, uh, Jetta and you saw the, the, uh, the eye of the laser on the bottom part of the ship, meaning the ship was upside down. The ship was, uh, wait, what was it? The Death Star was upside down because wait, the eye was facing down at Jetta. Oh, before they before they took shot, yeah, yeah, totally. You're right. Yeah, Which yeah. just means, I mean, you already knew that the Death Star had artificial gravity, right? But I mean, the 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 I don't know the whole the whole scope of the Death Star in in my opinion in this, I think if I were to go back and watch Episode Four, it would make that way more awe inspiring. I think because oh yeah, the way that they the way that they set this up and the way it sits on the horizon, how big it is, but also just. I don't know. There was something about that scene where they're putting the dish in. And I, I don't know. This is part of actually, well, I guess this is one enhancement to the audiobook I was listening to. Um, but them talking about the building of this thing, you know, but actually that installation of that disc, just the actual dish part of it is a huge deal. I mean, the, the amount of ships that are using tractor beams and trying to get this thing in there. Um, but the, the, the pure scope of it, uh, they did a really good job in this film, I think. Okay, well, in Catalyst, since you've been listening to it and they talk about the building of the Death Star, do we ever actually find out, does the average stormtrooper know how to install a water main? Oh, look, man. I mean, I, I they're still talking about clone troopers. I can't talk about stormtroopers right now. 
<laughs> okay, so I'm a little bit confused on one thing though. So this uh is it is it am I correct that this Death Star in Rogue One came out of hyperspace and then shot up a planet? In Yes. Okay, so when it did that, um where was it getting its shields? Because remember, it needed to have the shields generated from a planet. And that's why you had the whole Ewoks in the original series. That was only because that one was still under construction. Yeah. Uh, and, and they do talk about that in Catalyst a bit, too, I guess. Huh. Look at look at this book. And I mean, in the background of my head. Uh, but they talk about that as well. But yeah, um, in Return of the Jedi, it did have to do with the fact that it was still under construction. But it had its own shields once it was fully built in, in the original. So um, let's talk about... Uh, characters vader let's put vader aside for a second because <laughs> vader's ridiculous um well i want to i want to chime in here no please so i do i i That's why we have microphones okay so <laughs> i think that vader's um movements are pretty mechanical in this one to be honest with you i mean he's a machine bro well he looks like um have you ever seen that little video where it's star trek versus star wars you know Which and they're Okay, I'm just messing. <laughs> Where Picard is going, midichlorians, midichlorians, midichlorians. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty no, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. You're saying I've seen it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tagged you in it. Well, yeah, nonetheless, when he does that, uh, Darth Vader looks like that uh, that cartoon, that cheap cartoon, is what he is is what his movements look like this time. Well, but his movements have always been well. <laughs> And, and I'm with you a little bit, Jeremy. Like his, his, his movements are a little mechanical because he's a machine. But at the same time, I, I, you're, I think, Mike, what you're saying is they're a little more generic this time. Generic? Is that the word? Well, I yes. think, I think the difference between, say, Anakin and, and, and Vader is as Vader grew older, he became more of an inquisitor style using more of the force yeah. and, and less of a juggernaut. Uh, meaning less lightsabers. So because he just, his body couldn't work that way. And so if you notice when he, when he does fight in Empire Jedi and New Hope and Rogue One, he's very lightsabers down at the waist and it's all, yeah, all forearm movement. Look, you it's know not all swing except for when he went up to, the, to, to get the guy on the ceiling, but it's not the way that Obi-Wan fights. Real quick. I want to thank one of our patrons for, uh, absolutely trying to remain nameless in this. He encouraged me to listen to this audiobook before I saw the movie. Uh, and I'm going to say too, but you hate this audio. I, 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 I kind of do, but at the same time, it did provide more background than I thought it would. But, um, as far as Vader goes, remember this is very, it's, it's early ish in his, in his powers and his early ish in his being in his suit. Right? Not quite. No, at this point, he's been in the suit about 15 years. Yes, but it's still, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, honestly, it's a little early-ish. Only because, I'm saying that because in the book, you see the transition from the Republic to Empire, you know, and the introduction of Vader, right? I I'm just, I guess I'm just trying to help Mike with his justification. Um, but he's Well, ac- actually, um, what was said earlier about Vader moving more at the waist and it suddenly reminds me of the original movie and what Vader did become. Cause I still, in my mind, I'm still thinking more of the, um, uh, 
all of the uh, previous Jedi Masters from the uh, from what used to be the prequels to the New Hope, um, and how their movements were all fluid, but at the same time. They had not been, you know, chopped up and then put together as a machine. Yeah, and actually to follow up on that, to actually see Vader in the back to tank, I mean, you, you realize, like, even though this is, you know, 15 to 18 yeah. years after he's been in the suit, he still has to go through his daily regimen, I'm sure, being in the back to tank. True, true. Um, so let's other characters besides Vader, because apparently me mentioning Vader was uh, a bit of a catalyst. Yeah. And then you said to put him on the back burner. <laughs> hey, and yeah, but you see what I did there? I said the a bit of a catalyst, I said, because that's the name of the novel. Okay, so moving on. Other characters that we liked, disliked. Um, and and my thing is, I I wanted, from the trailers, and I'm going to throw this at you guys, because from the trailers, for me, it seemed like this was going to be uh, a major like ensemble cast, like an ensemble piece. But ultimately, it didn't play out like an ensemble for me oh i disagree well let me explain why i i think so uh is because you you get you get this cast of characters but at the same time you don't really get to see them all working together you get to see them working in pairs for the most part but and it's not and and i guess the way it was billed to me was more of a heist sort of ensemble piece but it wasn't a heist and it really wasn't ultimately an ensemble for me but doesn't mean i didn't like it but you have jen and cassian doing their thing you have the um i'm just gonna say blind dude and machine gun dude and then you have some other guys in the periphery but you don't really get to see the team come up with a plan together to work together as an ensemble thing in my head yeah i can kind of see that see where you're going with that um to kind of talk about the, the pairs really quick. The first time I saw it on opening night, um, I thought there might have been some sort of romantic history between Blind Dude and, and the Garth Machine Gun. Watching that again though, I definitely did not see it. What I definitely saw was, uh, it actually was taking me back to when I was doing some research for a paper I was writing about the Matrix and the religion, uh, in, in the Matrix movies. And, uh, I had done some research on Confucianism and how, um, and Buddhism and how, uh, one of the, uh, the filials are, uh, a, there, there are five basic tenets you have there, right? You have, uh, you know, master student, um, father, son, whatnot. And there's, there's one that was, uh, older brother, younger brother. Yeah. And that is, I definitely saw that in this. It definitely, and that really brings in the whole Buddhist monk atmosphere of the, uh, or of the, um, of the blind guy. Well, and I, and I did like how that played out as far as he obviously chew it. Is that it? Um, I think that was the name chew it. Uh, the blind guy, he really played to this, uh, higher power kind of thing. And he kind of, you know, uh, the force is, you know, what did he say? The force is, uh, with me. The force is with me and I'm one with and the I'm force. And I'm one with the force. And he, but what I love is he's not, yeah, thing. but what I love is he's not force sensitive. No, no, but, but he believes that the force can use anybody as a tool. Agreed. That's why I think he's very much in the same vein as, as, uh, Maz Kanata. Uh, yeah. Because she also is not force sensitive, but she feels that she is imbued with the force. And the same thing in the novel, you get the wife who is the same idea as like, she's not force sensitive, but she wants to be part of the force in the best way that she can, kind of thing. Um, just for the record, I think those two dudes were together. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, and, and Will, Will actually said that, uh, after we saw it the first time. And, and I said, and I, and I, I can see it for sure, but 
I, I guess it could go either way. And I'm actually intrigued to see if they go, um, you know, another novel or comic or something with them, uh, expanding on that a little bit. And that's where one of the things they said is these people were, will definitely not be in another movie. Okay. Um, well, for sure. Right. They're all dead. <laughs> they are, but that's kind of what they had to do because we don't see them in a new hope. So obviously right. something happened, right? But yeah, what I love is Star Wars story. But <laughs> what I love is that the, the, they could bring them into Rebels. Yeah. Um, because who's to say that they're not gonna in Rebels some point they're not gonna up on Jeddah and see right those uh, those two guys uh, what uh, in the Holy City. Okay. You know they could do. That. We already know that Sagarera is gonna be in the second half of the season of Rebels, so he's coming in. Um. But yeah, I, I, it's, it's that they could like do whatever they want with these characters because they know they're not going to be there afterwards. Okay. So any, anything else about characters we want to talk about? Because I want to up this a little bit real quick. No, go ahead. Up it. Okay. Let's up it a little bit. So really what I want to do is talk about the, your favorite part about the film. And then after that, I want to get to where we rate this. Will already kind of said, but honestly, I just want to, talk about this as a whole as it compares to the rest of the star wars films and kind of where we see this fit so uh favorite part of the movie i guess my favorite part was that hallway scene when darth vader went <laughs> right went crazy and cut the dune on the sailing <laughs> that was pretty g <laughs> yeah that was insane i really love that it was really the only way we were gonna get somebody with a, a lightsaber in this movie yeah uh, because we already knew we weren't gonna be running into any jedis and so vader was gonna be the only one that could do it and I love how they didn't do it in an easy way where he could just whip it out when he was having the face showdown with Krennic. Um, but the fact that it was actually in the part where he was going after the, uh, the, the, uh, Leia's, uh, ship. But don't you think it's interesting? Like, I'm with you guys on that scene, but don't you find it interesting that this is a movie so not focused on the force? And one of our favorite parts of the film is, the hallway scene where there's someone using the force. Okay. I'm going to argue that it's not a movie. That's not about the force. Cause I think it is all about the force. I think it's less about, oh, okay. I, I think see, it's I, less I, about I Jedi and Sith. Okay. Yeah. But it's more about the overall impact of the force. I mean, just from a literal standpoint, dude kept saying it. Yeah. Uh, no, there was a lot of talk of the force. That's for <laughs> and sure. the fact that they're all dealing with Kyber crystals. Yeah. That's a good point. Good. I, I'm just happy that I didn't hear a lot about midichlorians. <laughs> You know, actually, I, I don't have a huge issue with midichlorians. I thought it was weird when they first introduced them, but after Luc, uh, Lucina's book of Plagueis, mm. which isn't canon, I know, but right. it's fantastic how he explained it a lot better. Um, my favorite part of the movie, I did love the hallway scene. Um, I'm going to go outside of the storyline sort of thing. I thought Gareth Edwards' uh, view and vision for the movie was fantastic. The uh, considering how big the scope is for Star Wars movies, I've always thought it it lacked cinematography value. Yeah, because even when you saw major planets like Tatooine or Hoth, they were fairly barren. Right, right. Even when you got uh, jungle planets like Yavin Four or uh, Kashyyyk or Endor, you got lost in the trees. So you still didn't get that scope. Right. Here, especially on uh, Scarif and on Jeddah, even though Jeddah is a kind of a desert world too, you got much more of that scope that J.J. Abrams started to introduce on uh, um, Jakku. With Jakku, yeah. Um, but Scarif was just a whole nother beast. And I thought the cinematography was fantastic. 
his tracking shots were excellent. He was almost Alfonso Cuarón good yeah. on his on his uh, tracking shots. And if you don't know how good Alfonso Cuarón is on tracking shots, watch Children of Men or Harry Potter 3. Um, his tracking shots are incredible. Um, but I think Gareth Edwards did a great job there. I thought bringing in Tony Gilroy to punch up the script yeah. was fantastic because you definitely got the vibe that he kind of puts into the Bourne movies. Um, cause he's written all those. And so you kind of got that sort of, um, being able to give witty dialogue during yeah. action scenes, which is not a hallmark of Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, man. Okay. Also, I just want on that same kind of note, seeing how they, they, they juxtaposed everything with the sizes. Yeah. To show how, yes. how, how vast this universe is to go for like one, t- you're looking at a you ship next a to the destroyer and then you get the yeah. destroyer next to the death star and then you get the death star next to a planet. And, you're just like, and how cool was the hammerhead, uh, freaking frigate, uh, jamming into that, uh, uh, death star, uh, death star, um, star destroyer and actually doing, I mean, you, you get this hammerhead class, right? Yeah. And then it's jamming in and he's like, all right, do the thing we're supposed to do. And he jams it into it. And then, bashes him into the other one and then that's what ultimately uh you know breaks the shield which well I what i love is cool. this is the first movie we really got to see reasons for the designs of mon calamari right. ships right as opposed to you know the star destroyers or corellian ships Agreed. um because we'd seen mon calamari ships especially uh, admiral akbar's flagship in in jedi um but to see these and actually used in tactics yeah it's interesting to see why they have those rounded shapes and everything. It was really cool. I liked it. It's yeah. a good point, Jeremy. Yeah, I actually thought it was really cool too when I saw um when I saw that uh the two Imperial ships get rammed together and then ultimately break the shield. Um going back to the whole thing about the force, one of the things that dawned on me about this, because you 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 see people throughout this film, Rogue One, where uh, you see people that clearly believe in the force, but are not force sensitive. And the interesting part about that is that it, you, it, it sort of, um, reminds us that one of the, one of the things about the Sith is that when they come into power and when they destroy the, um, Jedi order is that they have made the power of the force exclusive to themselves. And so you have, you know, it's kind of like, um, the the destruction of the Jedi results in a situation where because there there is such a concentration, you just have a few people that remember that the Force exists. Mm-hmm. They don't, but they don't have any access to tap into it. And so it's kind of like remembering like something that's fallen from glory. Like um, you you might even see something like in the Bible where like they rem- they where they rebuild a temp the the temple of God, but the Shekinah glory is gone. That 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 vis- visible manifestation of God's presence is gone, that's and that's kind of like that in um when you know he's chanting about being one with the Force, um, and you realize though he doesn't have access to the Force the same way, and that's because it has fallen into decay. Yeah. No, I. No, I like that, man. And, 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 and honestly, oh, hello. Uh, I, I really do. He was one of my favorite characters. And I, and I like that analysis of the fact that, like, it's, it's getting to something very much just at a very base level, just straight spiritual. You know, he's believing in a thing and that's guiding him through life. And almost like his machine gun buddy is making sure that 
although that's a thing for him, he's got his back anyway, you know, and making sure that like, okay, so just in case that fails, I'm going to shoot some people in the face. And that's, and you see that what that's honestly what happens when he beats the crap out of all those stormtroopers and a bunch of dudes run in afterwards and he shoots them all, you know, and had he not been there, that would have been the end of it, you know? Um, but anyway, I, I, I'm in with you on that. I want to, sorry, go back to a character really quick that we didn't yeah. have not brought up yet, but I want to talk about Bail Organa. Mm. <laughs> um, Who had what, three lines? Total? No, a few more, but I love Jimmy Smith. I just love yeah, Jimmy Smith awesome. and anything he does. I'm glad they brought him back. But I love how he referenced three major characters um, that we got to see all in the space of like 30 seconds. Because when uh, Mon Mothma pulls him aside and says, your Jedi friend, and he goes, yeah, he's in, he's in hiding, da, da, da. And it's obviously uh, Obi-Wan. Right. And then she said, well, do you trust somebody with your with getting this message to him? And she goes, and he gets that smile, and he goes, I trust her with my life. You yeah. know it's Leia that you he's sending. Leia. Because yep. you know that the beginning of episode four is her trying to get the yeah. plans to Obi-Wan. Right. Right? So I love that. But then as he leaves the door, he goes, Captain Antilles, and you know it's Wedge. Yeah. It's awesome. And uh, I love the fact that Wedge is there. I love I love all of that. Um, let's uh, – Really quick to just touch on that really quick is yeah. if you remember back in episode four when um, Luke is giving them their oil baths yeah. and mm-hmm. C-3P goes, uh, I don't know any Obi-Wan Kenobi, our former – our former master was Captain Antilles. Yeah. And so this shows that they were with there on Yavin 4 with Captain Antilles before they went to the Tanta 4. And, and you do see, which is, which is the only like two seconds. Um, and I was looking through the, uh, IMDb because I do that sometimes. IMDb of Rogue One and you see C3PO and R2D2, but like there's no credits really attributed to them, but like, it's just they're there, you know what I mean? But it's only that one little second that you see them in the film. Um, so for me, what I liked the best about this particular film is how they, the climax of the film. For me, everything happened faster than anything else. I mean, I, I think of like uh, uh, Return of the Jedi, for example. And, and granted, they're tying up a lot of storylines and there's a lot going on. But the pacing, it was so slow compared to this film. I, I mean, there, I mean, I mean, what is the last 20 minutes? Everybody dies. You know what I mean? But like everybody dies, but, but yeah, but everything, everybody dies. But at the same time, everything is wrapped up super quick. And the, the, the scope of, I, I, I guess the time in my head, time wise, everything happened faster. And I like that about this film is because, you know, we got to do this thing. We got to do this thing. We got to do this thing. And then people are dying as they're doing the thing. And everything is happening at a pace that, uh, for me, I liked a lot better. And I wasn't sitting around waiting. Okay. What's going to happen? It's like, oh crap. They're dead. Oh crap. They're dead. Oh, here we go. Oh, shoot. Got to get the thing. And everything happened at a pace to where I, I, I really enjoyed the climax of the film only in that everything wrapped up really neatly and quickly. I mean, that was honestly what I liked about it. And then at the end, you get Vader in a hallway wrecking fools, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, talking about wrapping up stuff, one of my favorite aspects of the movie was 
they knew that the end point of this movie was going to be the start point of episode four. So they basically said, okay, well, we have to have certain things about this show, this movie, in a certain place. So that's why Antilles and right. C-3PO and R2-D2 were in Yavin 4 because they had to be on, on, on Tanta 4 for the whole beginning of the next thing. Right. But one of the subtle things I loved is during this battle, they made a specific point of pointing out that the person with the red five call sign dies. Yeah. Because that call sign has got to be open for Luke to take in the next battle. Right. I I didn't notice that the first time, but I noticed it tonight. And I was like, they said red five like three times. Oh, <laughs> I see why. Um, and, and I liked stuff like that. Um, but I think this movie really fits and I like that it's, it's a standalone deal. And I like that it's an, like they're calling them anthologies and it's a Star Wars story. It's something that happens. And there's all these callbacks and, and things that are happening, but you don't need it. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's nice to experience it. You know? But yeah, what this, I, I have a question for you. Don't you think that though it's a little bit forced when they have all these little references? Like, is that a pun? Yeah. I, yes. I yeah. Forced, forced upon. Yeah. Maybe it is a pun. <laughs> I think. Yeah. But I, I, but when they, when they have these little references that they interject, it just seems like they're trying too hard sometimes. I can understand your, your, your yeah, idea of it being you. forced. Um, I don't, can I don't think so. Pun intended. With forced? this. Yes. I mean, okay. Phrasing, uh, with this, Phrasing. with this particular, for a particular reason. I thought the fact of, Jango Fett being the head of all clones, the base that was a little forced, right? To make sure that Boba Fett got introduced because he's such a favorite character. With this, I don't think it was like the I don't think they were doing it for fan service. I think they were doing it for story service because it's not like the seventies anymore. Okay. Yeah. There is the internet, there is home video, DVD, whatever. Because continuity is so much more important nowadays because you will get called on it. And I I and get so, what you're saying, yeah, too. So because it's not fan service, though. It's to make sure that they know that it's there. Yeah, and I, and, and, I, and I think you're right, Will, as far as not fan service, because you have Rebels, you have the comics, you have everything that's canon, continuity-based, that's in this actual time frame, right? Think about the comics. Like, what we have leading up, I mean, in between Clone Wars and you know, uh, episode seven, just comics based. I mean, if all of that doesn't sync up and you're not referencing the little things that you're coming across, then you're out of sync. And, and, and I'm with you. On and that. you're going to get people saying, well, why wasn't that reference? Right. That right. should have been there. Right. And I can't wait to see if they actually reference, for example, just to bring up a thing, uh, Luke meeting Vader before he meets Vader in the films, you know, just as an example. Right, because he did meet him in the comics, which is funny exactly. because they kind of point that because he did meet him in the books before in Splinter, right. of, a, Splinter of a Mind's Eye. But the, um, yeah, I, I agree. I think they're doing, this just shows how important Pablo Hidalgo's job is. And quick shout out to Pablo Hidalgo is probably the most important person in the Star Wars universe right now. I met that guy. He's cool. He is a very cool guy. I think we both met him at, at Comic Con. Comic Con, right? yeah, a few years ago. And um, and this is standalone from the 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 keeper of the lore. Yeah, Hidalgo is just like the the ultimate stop person with canon. Yeah, and he, he's the one that's kind of because you know he looks over the scripts and he looks over all the, the books and everything. He's got to him and his team has got to make sure that those all sync up. Right. Um, so let's, uh, any, any other comments on any of this? How are we, how are we doing? 
Are we done? We gotta wrap this up. Oh, well, I, I do have one more comment. No, please. Why is it when she was adjusting the satellite that you could upload in the middle of the satellite, but you had to go all the way to the end of the platform so that way she's like hanging out and, you know, could fall? Yeah, why why did she need to be out there in order to adjust the satellite? Because movies. Exactly. And actually, this brings up a point. There were there were two things that I loved about the trailers that did not get put in the final edit. That TIE fighter that didn't show the up? The TIE fighter that didn't show up when she's walking to the end of the plank. Bugs me still. And the fact of uh, um, Saw Gerrera not saying the line about what will you become. Oh, also. That's a good also, point. Yeah. Also, what bugged me, how did they get to the beach so fast? It took oh yeah! Ever to get to the top? I, I'm gonna say and all of a sudden they're on the beach, and, and I thought about that after the they first took the time elevator I saw down, it, and I thought the same thing. I was like, there had to be an elevator. Yeah, well they did. They took the same elevator that Krennic took up. Oh yeah, because Krennic got there pretty quick. Yeah. Oh please! You actually uh, see them going in. I would like you to, because you know more about the series than I do. I'd like you to actually expound on the female leader. That um, reappear, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you can you expand on her background a little bit? Yeah, yeah she's actually um, at this point in the in the the saga, she's actually a, a galactic senator, just like um, hey, to say a Jar Jar at this yeah. point would yeah. still be uh, Senator Palpatine. Well, before he became Chancellor, he was the Senator of Naboo. Um, at this point, Leia is a senator from Alderaan. She's just one of the Galactic Senate. Um, she is a very powerful person. She'd be like the the. Um, but she's also a rebel. She is. She'd be like the leader of a, a committee leader in yeah. the Senate, but she's also a rebel leader. Yeah, yeah, and she's actually yeah, and Bernie she Sanders, she's yeah. the she's the political head of the of the uh, of the rebellion. Yeah, I mean, she is involved in in coordinating with the word I'm looking for um, uh, espionage. No, well, no. yeah, but she's a uh, overall game plan. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, General Yandadana is the one who's in charge of the military, and we have the right. admiral who's in charge. You know, she would basically be like, I, I hate to say it, but she would be like the president of yeah. whatever organization they have there. Right, right, right. Okay, then, um, who is more powerful in the uh, Rebel Alliance? Is it Princess Leia or is it her? Oh, Mon Mothma. Princess Leia is subservient to Mon Mothma. Yeah, Mon Mothma is... And, and, and when you see... Mon Mothma's most prominent moment is Return of the Jedi, where they're setting up to attack the, you know, uh, second Death Star, right? And she's setting, and, you know, she's basically laying out the plans. She's the one in charge of everything, essentially. Yeah, and actually, this is no longer canon, but uh, the way it is in the Legends series now, and originally was in canon, was she was actually the first Chancellor of the New Republic. Right. Once the Galactic Empire was overthrown and the New Republic took over, she was the first chancellor. She was the first person elected. Yeah. Also, um, can you please expand on uh, Saw Gerrera? Because I'm not familiar with his background, so I only know him from the movie. Yeah. Okay. So Saw Gerrera, I am not, I'm not Saw Gerrera guy, but he is originally, uh, was introduced in the Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, Clone Wars TV show. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I never got to that point with yeah, him. I believe he fought alongside his sister. But, you know, he's friends with, yeah, the sister. But he fought alongside Kenobi. And Anakin. And Anakin. Right. And Ahsoka. Yeah. And so. And Commander Rex. Yeah. So Rex actually in Rebels. Mentions him. Mentions him offhandly a little bit. So 
there's some continuity there, but honestly, like, I I never got all the way through Clone Wars. Sadly. Yeah, and I'm, the thing is, there there's such a there's such a time gap between Clone Wars and Rogue One that you're talking about twenty twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually looking forward to the second half of this season of Rebels, um, because there's actually started to be European poster art come out that has Saul Guerrero on it, and it has his major line of "Save oh, the Rebellion, wow. Save the." Nice. Well, the save the peace or whatever it is. And, uh, so he's going to be in the second half of the season. So I want to see, because there's obviously a falling out between he and the rebellion because he come, becomes too radical. For sure. And I want to see if they, if they show how that happens on rebels. Yeah. That makes sense. One more thing. Um, kyber crystals. Are they just a generic power source? They don't, there isn't any significant meaning with that. Okay. You want to take that, Marshall? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to take this because I've been reading the catalyst book. Um, the, the crux of the book, to be fair, is the damn kyber crystals. Um, at, at the, the junction of, uh, I guess, uh, Republic to Empire, uh, there's this moment. Well, honestly, Galen Urso, uh, Jen's dad is obsessed with kyber crystals and they're, they refer to them many, many times as a living crystal. So, uh, when it, it transfers over to the empire. Guess who gets a whole bunch of Kyber crystals is the empire because it killed all these Jedi. And so now Galen is able to analyze these things. And that's really what's powering the death stars laser, right? Yeah. Well, not only that, but Kyber crystals are also the main powers lights it. Right. Right. And that's, and that's, and that's really the crux of the whole thing. And so this Kyber crystal, these living crystals are what powers the lightsabers, uh, the Jedi's lightsabers and the Jedi. And I haven't gotten enough far enough in the book, but there's this intrigue with the, uh, how much, how many Kyber crystals, uh, that the Jedi knew about and what they had access to and how they were grown really is what it comes down to. Yeah. And actually going back to your idea of what's forced to, to force continuity. Um, I think it would have been forced for the kyber crystal that Jin keeps around her neck that her mother gave her for that to somehow get passed off to like R2 and it becomes the crystal that powers Luke's saber. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. That would have been forcing continuity that's <laughs> not there instead of resolving issues. Yeah. Overall, should we get to where the, where the film stands? I mean, I mean, what do we think, guys? I don't, I don't know how you want to do it. Do you want a favorite Star Wars film and then where this falls or do we want to even do that? When people have been asking me about this movie, I keep saying it's right up there with Empire. Same here. It's top three for me, um, because of what it, it represents, which yeah. is offshoot stories that still connect to the main trunk line, right? Yeah. And I love that. Um, it makes me more hopeful for the Han Solo movie, especially since the yeah, two directors are doing it are the people that headed up the Lego movie. Right. I love them. Um, also Ryan Johnson is fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to episode eight. Um, plus the fact that he's actually writing eight and nine. Yeah. Um, even though nine is going to be directed by Colin Trevorrow. Um, I'm really curious about Colin Trevorrow because I love the way he did Jurassic world, but he's actually talking about how he wants to actually do some filming in space. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But yeah. I, it, this, this movie makes me, I mean, um, for lack of a better, more hopeful. For the future God. of the of the franchise, it's a lot of puns. Uh, what do you think, Jeremy? <laughs> um, well, it's hard for me because I'm usually always biased after I like, just saw a movie. 
That makes sense. I still think I liked The Force Awakens better than this movie. More entertained by uh, Force Awakens than than uh, this movie, even though this movie was great. Yeah. I love the movie. Also, we've seen it twice. You've seen it once. Yeah, I thought Force Awakens was a little bit too much fan service, yeah. but it kind of had to be. Um, going back to the director, I, th- I thought it was brilliant that this shows that a Star Wars movie could work without George Lucas or J.J. Abrams at the helm. Yeah. Um, regarding uh, Rogue One, I liked the um, darker theme. I liked the fact that there was more realism in it. It, it yeah. was less less magic and more um, like conventional warfare. Um, I did see some, um, obviously, some inconsistencies, but that's... Uh, you know, that's to be expected with some fantasy. It's um, not magic, it's metachlorians. <laughs> yes, magic <laughs> dust mites. Magic dust mites. But moving on, Jeremy. So, yeah, but overall, I thought the film was effective. I thought that was great with the continuity. I liked um, the idea of being introduced to the types of films that Disney's going to create, where it's sort of these offshoot small stories that are part of that universe. Um, and I felt that it was very true to it. I, it did feel a little bit rebootish in the sense that, um, by putting Rogue One in, you could basically ignore, um, uh, the whole, um, the prequels. Yeah. I don't know. I'm with you a little bit. The reason I like this movie so much is because it was so dark. Everybody died. Uh, Vader was badass. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm, it's like when we talked about Fantastic Beasts, you know, Fantastic Beasts for me was the Harry Potter I can get behind, uh, you know, kind of thing. And I, I I had no problems with any Star Wars films, really. But yeah, I'm with you. You could pretty much ignore the prequels. But at the same time, I, I, I really like this movie because it was dark, because it was a purpose and it was open shut. You know, these people were introduced. This happens and then they all die. And, but it leads to this thing that we all love so much. Like I, how much I love episode four, I can't even put into words because I've taught it. I've seen it. I've, I've seen it so many times. I can't even, I can't even tell you. I love episode four, but leading up to that, knowing that this is some, a, a very well done, what I already imagined in my head, like, Oh, I wonder what happened when Leia got these plans. Like leading up to that moment, like and and then actually seeing her taking the plans, CG or not, was really a cool moment for me. So I, I'm I'm really happy with this film. Yeah, and the, the fact that you said it was open and closed, I really like that because after watching this movie, we're not going to have another year of who's raised father. Right. There, there was no questions like that introduced. We don't have to have like 20 speculation podcasts. After exactly. This. Because it's now <laughs> closed. I mean, this story is finished because we already know what the next part is. Absolutely. I'm waiting for the sequel. <laughs> well, <laughs> is this the sequel where it's the 30 seconds before the, the shockwave hits yes. them or <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, I'm, I'm really happy with this film. I, I'm going to go see it one more time for sure in the, on the big screen. Um, uh, but otherwise, any anything else we want to say about the movie, guys? Uh, I just want to say I definitely had a fun. I had a fun. But you guys don't know. We have two guests, and we always say something about having funs. But overall, I, I'm I'm out, I'm with you, Will, as far as excitement for the next uh, anthologies. 
you know? Yeah, and actually the the, the vibe this gave me uh, was very much like the uh, when I read Tales from the Lost Eyes of Cantina or Tales from yeah. the Empire or Tales from the Bounty Hunters. For sure. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to The Usual Podcast. If you have comments or questions, you can find us at theusualpodcast.com. Email us at theusualpodcast at gmail.com. And we're on Facebook, Google+, Plus, Pinterest, and Instagram. I'm at Darth Bob at darth pops on twitter will is at imo griggs we're on itunes Stitcher radio google play please take the time give us positive ratings like us love us share us all those kind of things uh audibletrial.com slash usual podcast get a free audiobook look here's the thing um <laughs> i would love to say go out and get catalyst so get catalyst and tell me that it was something that i'm not seeing but that's fine. Get any book you want. Well, you were on bagging Audible. on Bloodlines too, and then you finally made it through that. And you said, "Oh, you know, it was actually pretty good." Yeah, it was fine. Look, I'm I'm literally literally halfway through. Literally, maybe it'll get better. I'm not I'm not there yet, but it is what it is. But get any book you want. And to be honest with you, I like Brandon Sanderson. Some of his books, I actually saw. I was in the bookstore the other day, a couple days ago. The first book of the Stormlight Archive, right, is literally. Just under thirteen hundred pages long. It's wow. like it's Short. in mass market. It's like that thick. Yeah, and it's like what forty eight hours, almost fifty hours on audiobook, and you can get that for free on us. So you're welcome. Free and so, we get fifteen bucks. Yeah, exactly. And Patreon.com slash Usual Podcast. Give us a buck or two an episode. Seriously, um, we love all of you that do that. Um, we will do another patron show in a month or so. So if you want to get in on that, uh, you know, go to patreon.com slash usual podcast and give us a buck or two an episode and um, you can hang out with us and we'll talk smack about pop culture. Word. Well, not really smack. We don't talk too much smack. Not too much. Yeah. Anything else anybody wants to say before we go? Jeremy's here. Mike's here. Bye. <laughs> may the force. What? What was that supposed to be? Something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, may the force something or other. Uh, Will? Everybody have a fun. Please have a fun. We'll see you all next week. Peace. Oh, shoot. We should say we are not going to be on next week. So there'll be a little bit of a gap. But uh, we'll uh, come right back at you in probably the first second week of January. Yeah, we'll see you next year. How about that? Peace. There you go.